Hello and thanks for joining me. Hope all's well. It's Mark Shardlow here with 10 minutes of Olympic chat today. And we're carrying on with the endurance theme we've had this week and finding out what music goes through this potential Olympian's head while she's swimming and why she's looking at studying the video game Animal Crossing and the effect it had on the US election. It is a varied interview. Thanks so much for the great response to yesterday's chat with Tom Evans, who spoke so well about his journey from the army to the six-day marathon disarb desert race, and then in the last year to the marathon. Well, today it's marathon swimming, and it's the return of Alice Deering, who's kindly sharing her journey to what we hope will be to Tokyo and to become Britain's first black woman swimmer in the history of the Games. You can check out more from Alice on episode three and episode 25. But last week she had her first competition in over a year. She had to travel to Doha to compete. And it was a trip not without its issues, as you'll find. And I started by asking her how it went. Yeah, hi, thanks for having me. It was good. I think it went really well. I was really happy with the result. Um, It was just a bit of a shock being back racing open water after so long because open water competitions feel a bit alien anyway. I only do about three or four a year. And obviously I missed a, a large chunk of that. I've had 13 months away from it since the last one that I did in February in 2020. So to be back in was really exciting, but also I was kind of like, oh my God, I need to really stick and try to remember everything that I used to do because there's certain like the carb loading, making sure I've got the right nutrients on, like all of these things around it, like swimming costumes even. There's a lot to think about, so it was a bit of a shock. But like once I dived in and got going, obviously it's just swimming again. So it felt really good to be back in and racing. And were you pleased with your time? Yeah, I was pleased with the result. I came twelfth and was like seven seconds behind first. So a super tight finish and like right up there with the best in the world. So um, just really exciting to see where it's going to lead in the future and it's a a really good result especially off the back of not having any idea what to expect when going in like I I was just thinking the night before I raced I was like I honestly don't know where I'm at I don't know what to expect don't know whether the rest of the world has moved on like a huge step so um, I'm just happy to still be up there with the best. Yeah that sounds super encouraging actually doesn't it because after so long away uh, there must be many things that go around in your mind questioning where you're at and that seems a fantastic benchmark yeah definitely um it honestly I me and my coach didn't really discuss it before I went away actually on like what to expect or what we'd be happy with actually it was just kind of like okay just go in and get going again basically we don't want your first race to be the Olympic qualifier and have all this like rustiness in you because I definitely felt that with Manchester last month I was racing and I was it just it didn't feel right like I just wasn't used to it yet it's really good to just go and get all of that out get it back in my mind how it feels to prepare on race day what the race feels like what to expect and not have that shock next time round. and how, how does your sport work do you would you have another opportunity to compete before the qualifiers in Japan Sadly, it's looking like we won't because all of the competitions are generally abroad and just the way they work with the the way the athletes, the, the level of athletes needed to like have a high level of competition is typically abroad. Obviously, British um, British open water venues are quite 
are hard to come by at such this time of year as they are like well below the FINA regulated standard for like how cold it can be so that was our like one chance to hit out and we're like really grateful we got that opportunity actually because it came right down to like the last few days of kind of confirming whether we could go and all the protocols around what would happen if anybody tested positive and there was a risk to us going which we were all aware of but um FINA handled it so well which I'm so grateful for and to British Swimming for giving us that opportunity to go and race because it's really invaluable experience for the Olympic qualifier in two months time. It does feel as if you know they keep throwing these balls up at you and you having to show resilience I mean it's a sport that you need to show (laughs) resilience at anyway but you know this Covid time is really challenging isn't it? Yeah definitely yeah Um, open water swimmers are very adaptable people we're very uh, like I've turned up to competitions before and um, they've been like, oh, yeah, the race is cancelled. The weather's not OK. Like we, we have to get you all back on the bus to go home. Then 10 minutes later, whilst we're all packing up, they're like, oh, no, everything's fine again. Everything's changing. We can get you going. So it was like I just remember experiences like that where like kind of things have been thrown at you on race day that you don't expect and you have to adapt and be flexible with it. So I always like to think open water swimmers have that in them because of the way the race is dealing with elements and just the nature of the sport in general requires you to be very dynamic great way to be and you've you've had something else thrown at you since as well some on the flight yeah. back someone's tested positive for covid so you're back in self-isolation yeah. again. what's that like yeah it's all right it's not too bad we're quite lucky um myself and no one on the team has had symptoms or anything like that so i guess just grateful to be healthy still and not have the isolation as well as coronavirus to deal with because uh, that would just be like so much harder I guess but yeah no it's going all right I've been doing like yoga and stuff and I've got um, uni work and video games to do so honestly if it was going to happen it was the best time for it to happen I was going to have like three days out of the water anyway hopefully it's the last bit of isolation i'll have to do but um you never know <laughs> fingers crossed sorry you said there uni work and video games in the same sentence yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're doing the, the same waiting yeah it's pretty it sounds like oxymoronic doesn't it i suppose yeah um so uni yeah it's going all right i've been like preparing to write my dissertation like getting all the stuff together that um, i'm interested in hopefully we'll meet um, or speak to my dissertation advisor soon and all that can get going and then yeah video games is just like to keep my mind a bit like sane you know because uh, it is crazy times and it's like I just chat and play with my friends on it which is um, like a really good way of not feeling too lonely sometimes. <laughs> what are you playing at the moment? So I've been playing Fortnite and Overwatch at the moment so like quite quite intense video games sometimes actually I don't play it in like a competitive or ranked arena I just play the casual stuff because like I want to unwind I don't want to be like super competitive on that because the majority of my life is competitive isn't it so <laughs> and have you got a subject for your dissertation yeah so yeah I guess again union video games colliding I, I want to study how video games have been used for political marketing purposes in America a, a good example is for the 2020 election joe biden and kamala harris used animal crossing new horizons which is a video game on the switch to basically market their campaign and they have their own island and you can visit their island and 
take pictures with Joe Biden's avatar, like his little character. And I just find that really interesting because political marketing has moved on so much with digital media and no one's really looked at how video games can come into that arena and how politicians can use video games to put out their messages in any way. So um, that's that's what I want to look at, basically. <laughs> I, yeah, that is such a fantastic uh, subject area. Yeah. That can really get used to, I mean, it's a passion of yours as well, but there's so much to go yeah. out with the with the campaigns. Amazing. That's brilliant. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's so much potential for it to be quite impactful in the future. So I'm kind of hoping maybe one day people will be like, oh, yeah, there was someone who did their dissertation on that like five years ago. And and they kind of predicted that this would boom because I really think it's got a a lot of room to grow. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next few years. Yeah, I'll remember that and I'll be looking out for the next campaign. And one other thing I quickly wanted to ask you was I saw you tweet about your experiences in Doha. And you said uh, that you had just two songs in your head during the two hours, but no one actually said or asked, what were the songs? So one of them is My Song 5 by Haim or Haim. I can never say their name right. I found it hard, tried to The other one was a song by Panic at the Disco. I can't remember the title at the moment um but it was on their album death of the bachelor it was one of the songs on that album and honestly like i had the panic of the disco song i probably had like two two lines i probably sang about two lines of the song and then my song five was just like basically on repeat but i probably only sang it about three or four times throughout the whole race which that's about 15 to 20 minutes if that of like actually singing it the rest of it was just like a blur <laughs> and do you go into the race with those songs in your mind or just randomly appear it just randomly appeared like I, I don't I don't even know why I got it in my head I think I thought words which were very similar to the song and then the song just came on and I was like okay it's an upbeat song it's punchy I'm just gonna roll with it I'm not gonna try and dismiss this song from my mind because sometimes I've had in training where like a slow song comes into my head or like a boring song and I'm just like no I need to really I need to fight this for and put it put something else in place but yeah I don't really know where it came from at all <laughs> fantastic look this has been such an interesting conversation Alice um, <laughs> yeah really interesting to hear from you and it sounds like you've got plenty on in your self-isolation and we look forward to your next appearance in an event which is in may is it yeah end of may for the olympic qualifier so i've got like exactly two months until i leave so um yeah it's really exciting and um like full throttle now like this is the the last leg before it all really before it all happens yeah <laughs> oh brilliant well good luck in the next few weeks maybe catch up with you just before you go oh brilliant yeah that'd be great thank you And that's marathon swimmer Alice Deering and one of her tracks that she thinks about when she's swimming Emperor's New Clothes by Panic at the Disco is playing us out. Thank you Alice and all the best for the next few weeks. That's it for episode 51. If you fancy buying me a virtual coffee if you're enjoying these podcasts all the money will go to Maggie's Cancer Centres. You can find details in the show notes of how to do it or go to justgiving.com and search Destination Tokyo. Thanks for listening again and goodbye. <laughs>